Okay. What's up, brother? Episode two. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was actually watching a movie in which, you know, there was this scene of uh, like uh, police catching uh, a very uh, cruel kind of gangster and, you know, those uh, kind of things. Have you watched Dog Day Afternoon? Yeah, but that was a long time ago. I don't remember it at all. Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Abuchino's great, so, but no, I don't remember it at all. So, some person said uh, that I don't believe in God, <clears throat> but I believe in Al Pacino. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think that way. But okay. <laughs> it's also there, in another is, movie. He's like, uh, oh, it's an old movie. You wouldn't even know it. There is this no. friend of mine who can actually die for uh, the uh, this Al Pacino. He's like a fan of Godfather. Okay. He's got like uh, wallpapers and, you know, uh, he always talks of it. And he says that I'm Michael Corleone. I'm, I'm Michael Corleone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, what's behind this thing that people actually want to become movie characters why hmm it's an interesting thing so swiss philosopher carl jung so carl jung a swiss philosopher he introduced concept of shadow alan watts talks about the shadow too yes yes and they yes. and they refer so whatever to you you cannot express Whatever you can't express, your dark side. That's what Watts talks about. Your dark, it it can it can be positive side also. Okay. So it it gets expressed through that movie, that character. We want mm. to play that character. It satisfies us in a very strange and weird way. Oh, so the okay. so so the the unconscious part, the undiscovered part, it can be positive also. I we may have a a quality for podcasting or we may have a quality for uh, uh, politics or philosophy or say mm. writing, so it gets discovered with time. So so there 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 is like positive shadow also and negative shadow also. Okay. So I have an interesting thing. What is your opinion on patriotism? Since you know the last oh, yeah. time we talked, it was it was the American Independence uh, Day. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I guess I would say I've become less patriotic um, as I've gotten older because, like, I started out being really like I pledge allegiance to the flag, you know, and I took pride in being from the United States, and I was instilled with nationalism you know, the pride of being from the greatest country on earth. And I'm sure there's lots of countries that instill that in their citizens. But like I was that for sure. I was like going to join the military. I almost went into the Naval Academy in college. And, um, but I You were say, in military? Hmm? You were in military? No, I was going to be. Okay. But I wasn't. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. you know, you're not, pro, pro, you're, you're not going to like the, like the answer but still, you know, the truth is truth. So why why do you believe in your country? 
I mean, uh, let's go no, deeper. No, I don't. I mean, that's what I said as I started out being that way when I was, you know, 20 years old, um, you know, 15 to 20. I remember being in college and and being like a fan of George Bush even, you know, and like a fan of like the Cavalier, you know, let's go against, um, let's not take the UN as an, as an answer of like, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to go in and find those weapons of mass destruction and we're going to, you know, like do the right thing. And although, but that's, it was under the impression of that was the right thing, which, you know, looking back, it, it wasn't the right thing, but um, at least that's my opinion now is that it wasn't the right thing. Um, so, so but I'm not, I'm not patriotic yeah. now, you know, just to catch like for what is it now with me is I'm not patriotic now because I think America is the idea of American independence and, and, uh, manifest destiny and the American dream, those things I'm very passionate about. And I really do believe in those things, but I don't believe that they actually exist in America anymore. I think that America has been corrupted. And I think that it started a, probably a hundred years ago around that time, around World War One, World War Two, And it's just gotten worse and worse. The Federal Reserve Bank, the International Monetary Fund, Crime, there's been huge crimes against humanity from the United States. Probably the United States is one of the worst nations ever in the world for like for the world's benefit. The impact of the United States on the world is probably one of the worst countries in history. But I mean, Mongolia, the old Mongolia, the old empires, like a lot of them had negative impacts. British Empire had negative impacts, also positive impacts, you know. But I think, um, yeah, American, the thing that's different about America is that. Um, so many people are unaware of how evil that so i'm not uh, talking about like specific country or so i'm just talking about the philosophy of patriotism what is yeah, but i think if you're patriotic it means that you stand behind your country right and you think that there's like well what how do you define patriotic so uh <clears throat> you say that okay if you love your country you're patriotic so define country what is a country well i'm just mean the national borders of of a nation state, you know, like the border between Canada and the United States and the border between United States and Mexico. And so when we were in jungle, let's go back into our biology and, you know, so when we used to fight and this, this and that, there were no borders and there were no this and that thing. Right. What, what did uh, patriotism mean then? It meant... Well, I don't know if you could use the word, but I think Achha. it just meant tribalism. Okay. It, it meant is it a, is it an actually the, physical thing, real thing, or it's a story? Okay, so I I say that okay, uh, I will pay you one thousand dollars after one week. It's it's a story, right? It's not a real thing. It's a story. Money is also a story. I'm committing something. You will buy some a car. You will buy something. So it's a commitment. You will buy some property. You'll Are buy you an apartment. Are talking about a contract, like an agreement? Yes. Okay. So country is also an agreement, right? That, okay, I won't, I won't cross this line. This, this is the region. I won't cross this line. It's a story that we have agreed upon. It's not like a physical concept. <clears throat> mm. What do you say? Well, I'm thinking about let's, what you might mean by that. I mean, let's blow your mind by reading a quote by Arthur Schopenhauer. Let's okay. blow your mind. Okay. So it says the cheapest sort of pride is national pride. For if a man is proud of his own nation, it argues that 
he has no qualities of his own of which he can be proud of he is ready and glad to defend all its faults and follies tooth and nail thus reimbursing himself for his own inferiority mm. yeah i think that's true to a degree it's not totally true like yeah just because you have national pride doesn't mean you have no pride in yourself like you have some pride in yourself and then you also are increased in the amount of pride you have by the other things you identify with and it goes back to the ego you know my ego is an identity my identity is i am american as part of that and for me Schopenhauer personally- slams the, slams this idea of patriotism he says that individual does not need a country Con- uh, no, many people need may need yeah we don't need a country if there is no country then we can also breathe and eat and have sex yeah i mean we, we must have here. a tribe i think to actually protect us from predators and you know uh, animals and everything and from the natural tragedies earthquakes and uh, tornadoes and uh, those kind of things but we don't need a country we don't need money yeah no it goes back things. to like the utility stories. the utility of the group is increased by actions for the group and you know a group starts and then the group says hey if we take over that tribe we can make them part of us and make a bigger group and then you got expansion and you know it just goes from there like the idea so what if the group what, tells you that we are going to hang you because you are a traitor mm-hmm. on on wrong on wrong uh, basis on wrong uh, analysis on ro- suppose they want to hang you yeah then then who's at fault here the countries do stupid stuff all the time they hang people yeah. all the time sure all right so before we got kind of cut there you were talking about wrongful hanging and injustice essentially from the nation state to the individual yes for example you know uh, your edward snowden he did the right thing uh, he uh, stood up for privacy laws and everything so you know country is very complex and it is actually run by uh, powerful people the elite so schopenhauer is not wrong here schopenhauer says that okay be individual think individually it's not bad to uh, think for yourself and in group there is always some madness there is always wrong decisionings there is always some idiocy going on and you know individual can be disciplined individual can discipline itself it can think for itself but group cannot what are you going to do you know you, you're going to force somebody if you know there are a group of friends and uh, one says that i want to go to a beach one says i want to go to a restaurant or one says i want i don't want to go anywhere i just want a house party what are you going to do yeah exactly man i mean that that so country, exact country, idea oh go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead so uh, no no speak please well i was going to say that exact idea really played out in my hedge fund because you know we had different traders and different portfolio managers um whatever you want to call them that we constantly had different opinions on the markets and so it was like yes. how does our how, how does our group come to a collective decision and there's yeah. um i guess practices or policies or procedures of any group to come to decisions so it's really interesting idea of like how do you put different weightings on different people's opinions and what basis you give them a higher or lower weighting and then what reasoning do they have to supply to the group to justify their not just an opinion yes. but their 
facts that back up their opinion? Is there a dialogue? Should you let one individual influence another individual or should you all do a blind pretest? And then, you know, I mean, it was really, it can get pretty involved. And actually Ray Dalio, um, I mean, he's one of the, he has the biggest hedge fund in the world and one of the most successful hedge funds in the world. And what Ray Dalio does is he actually surveys large groups of his employees of his portfolio managers. And he um, has a really systematic, you know, weighting and rating systems. He has that actually functioning in his hedge fund. It's, it's pretty interesting to watch. So I think, I think if person believes in himself and contributes, uh, I mean, if he remembers that he's an individual and he has to take decisionings based on consciousness, he has to use his cognition. He cannot, uh, okay. The biggest uh, example of this is military. It shoots mm-hmm. people. If suppose the government is dispatching wrong, wrong, act, uh, wrong decisions, for example, the Afghanistan war or the uh, government is dispatching the Iraq war or, you know, lots of lots of other things, unnecessary wars and, you know, the, these things, unnecessary uh, leg pulling and uh, these things. So yeah. how come if I am the uh, person who is actually with a gun in the trenches? So so let's suppose I am in the trenches and I am getting orders from government to shoot someone and I don't even know why. I don't even know the reason I'm shooting a child or I'm shooting a a woman (laughs) or I am shooting. Yeah. And they do it and they are, they are not supposed to, that's against the rules, but you know, it happens. No, they're, they're, they're supposed to, they're supposed to follow orders. They're supposed to kill. Not children. I I mean, innocent men then. If someone is yeah. in innocent and somebody uh, someone shot it without n- knowing something, the background of it. Yeah. So what is you're it? Not, you're not. This, you're not. You're not supposed to question what your orders are. You just do what they tell you. You know. Yeah. yeah so. That that when you stop questioning, the things they they go wrong. When you stop questioning. Yeah. That is why politics and military they always they are in the questions. Uh, uh, they always are questioned. Hmm. So group basically patriotism. So, so uh, I had an interesting conversation with you on Instagram. So you said that you don't like to promise. So yeah, you saw that. I knew what was happening then. Like, I was like, oh shoot, he saw it. Yeah, I don't like making commitments because then you might break it, you know? Yes. And then so you feel like compelled theory. to do things. Also, it's like compelling you when you don't want to yes. be compelled. It's like, oh, I'll do it when I want to do it, you know? Yeah. So let me give you an example. Yeah. So the, your car, your car, you, you have some, you know, uh, servicing that you have to do. Uh, it requires some servicing. Yeah. So you, you are saying, I'll go tomorrow or I'll go maybe in the next week. And let's say that you have a job. And uh, uh, you daily go to your job by the car and you sort of skip the servicing thing you, you you say i'll go tomorrow i'll go day right. after tomorrow right so sort of procrastinating yeah and you have an urgent meeting tomorrow uh-huh. or day after tomorrow and what you do is you sort of take a needle or take a knife and you put it in your tire in the tires you hmm. deflate all your tires why uh, i mean uh, ju- just a thought experiment just okay. an imaginary thought experiment Okay. You take a knife and you deflate all the tires. Okay. So now you have you have to attend the meeting and the office is far. 
you have to go to servicing and get the get that thing serviced mm-hmm. so i'll tell you the philosophy behind it it's called death ground if an army is fighting mm-hmm. and there is sea behind the army they cannot run so the the enemies are coming from uh, front and uh, they have sea in their back if you have a wall behind your back yeah and some someone's coming to hit you so the theory says that you will fight till your last blood mm. it's always advisable to actually leave an escape route for an enemy for a an cornered enemy. A, a cor- yes a cornered mm. a, a cornered enemy would fight till his last blood so i mean taking taking reference of this in our life so if we corner ourselves and kill all the escape routes ah burn so, the bridges burn the ships yes burn the ships burn the bridges burn the routes burn all uh, all the things that can save you yeah get the commitment yeah. then you'll uh, outperform yes. yeah so promise thing originates from there you know you've got a respect it's a uh, huge re- it's a huge a dynamic though you can't just go around promising your everything out without like yes, being careful you cannot, about it you cannot promise anything that you you don't want to commit to yeah yeah i yes. think i think it's kind of designing your life and you probably prom- promise is a good way to uh, to push you towards you know awakening and uh, good things and positivity and you know success promise is a nice thing promise is not a bad thing yeah yeah i think if it's reasonable and you know you agree on the, that promise it it is it is a nice thing the training that i received around promises is you know it's kind of like twofold one you throw your hat over the wall you commit to it you do it because you want to be over the wall you thought about what's over the wall and you decided you want to be over that wall and you're not going to let the height of the wall and thinking how long and how high i have to climb the wall like just throw your hat over okay. and then you figure out how to get over the wall so you and kind then, of wrongly estimate estimate the challenges you no know, it's it's don't estimate it don't don't worry about how difficult it is you want to be over the wall so throw your hat over now you got to get over it and you're not going to be stymied by how big the wall is anymore you've you've thrown your hat over the second part of the that's also like, nice yeah i mean the second part of the coaching i received around it is you'll be climbing up that wall and you'll be like Damn, I said I was going to get over the wall tomorrow and now is the first moment I realize like I'm not going to be able to get over that wall tomorrow. So in that case you're like a homing missile where you're like okay, I'm going to re-promise. I d- I can't make this now, so I have to break this promise, but I'm going to re-promise so the, something else. So there else, was so. this joke on this thing yeah. that a person joins an office and he says I'm going to I'm going to revolutionize this office. I'm going to change everything, man. Everything's going to be correct. And yeah. the second day he says man it's difficult <laughs> won't be able to do it <laughs> yeah i mean so, i think that that's really powerful though because like you do want that guy in your office you want that guy that comes in as like man we're going to do this and you want that we're going to do this to continue to be the message the only way it can continue to know, be the message is to readjust the aim a little bit you know it's it's very dangerous also in a very strange way there we go so that guy is very dangerous if a person is approaching ideal ideal something he's approaching ideal state he's approaching a heaven he wants things the correct way he wants things the right way so you know 
we have to seek a balance in life you you cannot just eradicate hell you cannot just you know uh, make everything perfect so if if a perfectionist is there for example if, if uh, a perfectionist comes into the office he starts micromanaging things so you know little bit of mistakes that we should allow and we should you know we should not punish and let the other person learn and understand uh, uh, about about the environment and everything everything the whole system so a perfectionist is a very dangerous person so it's very very dangerous this uh, far left ideology far left punishes everything which is not perfect very high standards and uh, uh, it wants things through revolution and through extremism they want things so that kind of guy is also not not good a fascist kind of a dictator kind of person who who is seeking you know perfection in all all the things mm-hmm. so okay so the revolutionary what do you, think? you know you're really kind of saying the the revolutionary who wants to change something drastically the radical yes radical so revolutionaries are also very you know a very di- a different kind of revolutionaries so this 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 thing is very complex that okay what kind of revolutionary are you are you a leninist are you a marxist or are you a democrat are you a socialist so th- 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 it's like it's like very complex so uh, what do you think uh, me and you we have got like 20 30 years to live by what do you think uh, will remain remain do you think uh, do you think that uh, what what are the qualities or what are the things which we would you know leave and uh, uh, leave to this world our ideas our videos our writings our memories yes. to certain people creations yeah the creations. creations will definitely remain they may get lost so, but so so uh, buddha so he left his creations and he, uh, at that time we didn't have the technology of paper mm. so his teachings got passed on through schools through small small philosophy schools and then when the paper was invented it was all written down and everything so how cool is that and, i would like to live during those times where they had philosophy look, schools like we don't have yes, that we don't we need that you know we we have martial arts schools these creations these are such things and these uh, uh these schools we have martial arts schools that you know uh, they sort of give teachings and the martial arts they are uh, uh, the art is kind of very rare and you know it's only practiced in a in a city and uh, it, it is only alive because of the because of the uh, the teachings of the master and you know it is uh, it is passing on and on there is no literature there is no nothing only the master teaches and his son teaches again and his disciples teaches uh, their disciples and the the art kind of you know lives mhm yeah the oral tradition is a pretty um it has a really good effect of drawing people in because it requires them to remember and to pass it on and to and it also allows for the truth to grow and sort of evolve over time as well i think it's a pretty neat um history that we have so there is one there is this one person uh, in india he got caught he was a serial killer and he was from france it uh, he was called charles sobraj so this guy was very interesting so what he uh, what he did, he did was he did serial killings and he used to murder many many people and you know murder tourists and this and that and then he was caught and then 
he was so charming and he was so seductive that a lady who was uh, his you know girlfriend sort of uh, uh, a partner sort of so she used to come and visit him in jail and you know they got married inside jail so he had such charm and he had such a body language that he attracted uh, females like anything mhm it's very interesting so, how that those qualities go together maybe it's just the unhindered moral you know you're you're not un, you're not encumbered by morality if you're a serial killer to then manipulate and just tell people whatever you want or whatever he was very very beautiful so i uh, what i uh, said about you know uh, the seduction the lookism the yeah. looks they matter a lot and you know uh, they uh, he he had great looks and because of looks and the charm and everything he kind of seduced everyone around him everyone so so i'm coming to this uh, your article that you uh, you wrote the ethics of dating right yeah so i i just read the article for like 2 uh, 3 4 5 minutes so uh, in that article uh, you had written about many things you know uh, about how to have a successful relationship and everything so do you think a marriage fails because we have a lot of weight that we uh, put on each other the the you know the existential weight what is existential weight so you know uh, we uh, the female she has to work a lot and you know you had written that uh, the male behaves as if he's a he's the king and you know uh, she has to do a lot of work lot of work she has to go to the job also and sometimes and some day she's tired and she says i am exhausted and i don't want to continue this i i am really uh, tired of you you are taking you are dominating me all the time so this is weight the yeah. man is putting weight or mm-hmm. uh, it can be in reverse also the female is quite you know uh, the female uh, there there are a lot of things that we have to share when we uh, when we stay together there are a lot of things that we have to help we have to help each other and everything so this is weight so uh, nietzsche uh, frederick nietzsche had this point of view of you know that marriage does not fail because it's it's in, uh, intrinsically inherently a bad thing it fails because of the cohabitation mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a big part of it so if if the couples they don't cohabitate so it happens with friends also if you stay with friend stay with a friend for a very long period they you will make enemies you will make enemies he will become an enemy of you and you won't like it yeah i think it it does have to do with how you handle it of course but i think the standard typical but the, but average... the weight but the weight gets more and more and more and more and more we get tired of 
uh, each other. We always get tired of each other. There is no curiosity left. There is no nothing. There are just responsibilities, and we are tired of those responsibilities. And also, the biggest factor in the male-female relationship, hypergamity. So you probably you are having sex with some other girl, or she is having sex with some other guy, and that is very normal because of we are animals. We are hypergamous. So this kind of you know complicates stuff with with unnecessary complication. and it is a, it is due to uh, it the hypergamity is not due to cohabitation cohabitation it's has its its own perils but uh, this sort of thing is so complex it is very complex also i think you know we should distinguish what is standard typical average you know what's the what's the median of all these different experiences that different married couples have um you know because there's people on all the way on one side of the spectrum and then there's people all the way on the other side of the spectrum and then there's you know kind of a bell curve as most people probably fall somewhere in the middle and and what i mean by what spectrum are we talking about is in general satisfaction and general pattern of what you just described which is kind of like we get bored over time and the cohabitation adds to that and yeah and there was this that. philosopher in in india uh, osho he was he was very famous he went to america also uh, and later you know he had problems with american government also because he used to criticize american government a lot so osho said that marriage was was actually a thing which cannot work out even for one one couple he, he said that he hasn't seen one couple who is happy happily married he actually argued that there can be no one absolutely no one so we sometimes we say that okay our our neighbor oh, look, look at him look and look at him how happy he is with his wife and his kids and you know he's got a car and he's got this and that and he he look at him he say he's dancing all the time so when you when you actually uh, mag, uh, zoom and you know see things in a very uh, granular manner a very mic at at very uh, uh, micro level so you will find out that uh it's not it's not that uh, it's not e- exactly that thing that you are you know uh, he's he's showing mm. uh, the things are things are not like that nothing is the things are all seen. thing yes the so this the osho actually argued that not, n- marriage will never work marriage cannot work Coha- so if you remove the cohabitation thing and you remove that uh that commitment thing the sexual commitment that that i won't have sex with another girl and she says i won't have sex with another man mm. this this is going to fail if you allow them to have sex with multiple people then i think when there is sexual freedom then you know a, an animal feels safe only then animals uh, animals you know they they form good relationships it should be a open hypergamous relationship and there should be no cohabitation mm. okay so let's look at that a couple of things i'll look at that i'll zoom in on on what you said is that uh again there's a spectrum of experiences so for some couples i believe that it does work and i believe that there are some couples that are very happy and and we don't know what the final result of that couple will be but in the moment right now and however much history they've had they've been happy i believe there's couples like that and i think um 
in a lot of those situations, nothing is as it seems. And that's also true about those couples and that there's still dissatisfactions behind that door. Um, but I think with some of those couples that are happy and would both say that they're happy, they truly are happy. And there's really, there's difficulties in any relationship, but I don't think that that would qualify them in the same category as someone who's actually not happy, but like seems to be. So I believe that exists. I believe you can be happy in a monogamous relationship and one where you're cohabiting. I think that's possible and call me an idealist, but I do believe that that's possible. I do think also that it's not the norm. It's not common. It's actually extremely uncommon. It's a minority of people. So I'm on that side of, Hey, this is just an idea. I'm understanding. I, my evidence is biased because no one's going to tell me their problems. Really. Some people will tell you the problems, but like a lot of people, no, no one would actually tell you the dark things. And who's going to take a survey. I mean, let's just look at the data. Like I always want to look at data when I make judgments or have, you know, theories, take my theory, so look at the data. In but India, like in this case, they're like interesting, interesting br- cases coming up. But bro, bro, the, when, the, I, when I, let me just say this before I lose my train of thought. When I yes. want to look at data in this case, how can we think the data is not inaccurate? How can we think the data is a- accurate? The people that are reporting their results, we don't know if how honest they're being and how were they self-selected or were they self-selected to like, why would they want to join the study? You know what I mean? And so if it's your own personal study, you're biasing it because you're going out, you know, you're asking certain people for a certain reason. And then the way that you're going to ask them is going to land a certain way with them when you ask and how well they know you and how well they trust you. And they also have intentions for you. Like they want you to be confident and have a happy love life. And so they may even tell you things that aren't really true. Like, I mean, there's just really no way of knowing what the true data is, right? So, so any, know, sampling, it, any sampling we, that we do let's just zoom is going to be partially let's just zoom accurate. Out. You let's know? just zoom out and understand this philosophically. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what I'm saying is that validates the philosophical approach because we can't really look at the scientific as much and, and at least so, give it as much weight as in normal. Well, not normal. What will, but, we, what will we do with the, the cohabitation weight? Well, I think that co- is a weight. Co- say say your question again in a different way. Um, what will you do with the weight that we put on each other? W- what do you mean? A weight. I mean uh, the struggles that we, you know, uh, inadvertently. Uh, we. But what have do you mean? To... What would I do with it? I mean, uh, how would you resolve it? How would I design the what I think would be the best relationship? Yes. Okay. Here's how I would design it. At least here's how it comes out today on, you know, July 8th, 2022. Um, I believe that you have planned occasional separations to, okay. To that's nice. Nice way. And the reason why is because it's planned because then it's not like, Oh, well you, we got in a fight. So now we're going to separate, but a lot of couples, that's what they, they go through this wave up and down. Like everything in life is sweet and sorrow. And Aristotle talks about that too, is that you can't have the sweet without the sorrow. True. Or True. sweet without the, the, the sour or either more sour, sorrow, either one. Um, so, you know, but if you go through it in an unplanned reactionary way, then it creates this insecurity in the other person and in yourselves. And, and you know, you're really degrading your relationship. Whereas if you planned it out, you wouldn't have to have questions and blame and unresolved questions in your mind about why you're separating and will you come back? And then there's the game playing that, oh, well, she'll come back to me or I'll come back to her. You know what I mean? So if you plan it, so okay, if you, you there know, are, there, there are 
if there are separations then it's not cohabitation okay you can define cohabitation however you want i mean cohabitation to me means living together and if you have living together and then not living together and you have periods of time for both that's that's what i'm talking about right that's i i also believe that that is the best approach yeah i mean do you want to have time to live together you want to raise kids together and doesn't mean during kid raising years you're always together you can take still like planned a part time and that's not just a week away it's not just a va- i'm going on a week away for you know a couple times a year i think it's more than that it's it's like in my opinion and, and every couple can decide how much away time they want what's right for them and they can try that out and then adjust right but like for me it'd be more like a third you do like two thirds together and a third away you know something like that i have an uncle that's a pilot and okay. pilots they do two weeks on two weeks off where they're two weeks every wow. day they work and that has worked really well for them i mean every other week or every two weeks they're like apart so they live half nice. their life apart. Nice. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other element that's really important that we discuss is the monogamy aspect, because what's the understanding, what's the contract and promise that each person's giving to the other about a part-time? Is there an openness? What degree of openness? Just because it's open doesn't mean it has to be fully open. You can design that openness, however, to whatever extent, to whatever degree, frequency and limits uh, however you want you can write it up however you want but i am arguing that there should be sexual freedom there should be a freedom to have sex with uh, many people because and what i'm that saying is, to you though is that that, that is it, what will happen yeah you but i think what you're, what you're kind of person like, you are a type of person you are a certain way and that's right that might be what is right for you and what you want and you right. find someone that also is right for them and what they want and you'll agree on it and that's great but I wonder, and I might be wrong, or I might not be wrong, but I might be like, it may be, yeah, it's just, it, there is a human nature to it aspect, and it's what's good for you is what's good for everyone, and we don't know it, is kind of what you're saying, and and that could be true, true. but I think true. it's possible that there's people, just like sexuality, you know, there's people that are totally heterosexual, there's people that are bi, there's people that are curious, and there's people that are gay all the way, and they have no interest in the opposite sex at all, right? Like, there's probably that same level of degree of spectrum of people who are, I want to be open a little bit, but not much. And I kind of feel like I'm more like that. Like, I want some degree of openness. I can't go into a promise saying, yeah, the last person I ever want to have sex with in my entire life. Like, that doesn't seem true to me. And I doubt that's going to maintain to be true, even if it does seem true to me. So I want a small level, like, and I'd say small is like, you know, just occasional, like the occasional without judgment, without questioning and insecurity. Yeah. Oh, I met this person. I want to experience them. And okay. I don't have to even like ask permission. I don't have to talk about it if I don't want to. It's just, you know, you can do what you want. I don't want to have limits on the other person for my limits on the other person is more like an understanding it's not a promise it's more like i understand that you love me and i'm the best in your life and i'm your main life partner and i understand that the sex is really great with us and it doesn't mean that sex this with is this else. is very debatable debatable this is very debatable thing you know okay okay debatable we, 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 i mean we, it can be debatable but it also can just be customizable like it's just so what if what if what if your partner she encounters a a more beautiful person and more uh 
a more you know charming person and more rich person or more powerful person and more you know uh, yeah they inevitably will they will they inevitably will meet someone yes, who's she, more whatever then, then how would she you know how how would she think well how have you thought how have it how has that experience been for you in your life and i'll t- i mean i'll ask you you can answer it if you want also but i'm just saying like that's how i approach it is like well for me personally what has that been like i've had a, i've been in love with someone i've mm-hmm. met someone else that was attractive and made me curious yes which, and yes. then what was that like did and that very make, very normal it's normal but also was it like did i lose interest in the first person no yes this is very correct that okay you can you can fractionize it but you cannot like monogamy says that okay one one person lives with one person and one person has commitment with one person so this thing that you are saying na that you have attractions towards the first person also and you have the attraction towards the second person also this is this is acceptable yeah i mean it's it's expected in your philosophy that that's what would happen and acceptable to others is a different thing right is it acceptable to the two women that i know no it's not acceptable <laughs> so it's not okay 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 it's 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 good i mean uh, it's your opinion it's uh, i always think i'll i when these sort of a uh, difficult question they come so when i start thinking in an animal sense because first we are yeah. animal then you cannot take the animal out of human you right. can you know design things design your societies help people this and that evil and tragedy they are not going to go away you have mm-hmm. to accept that not only you everyone has to accept that and we have to resolve it yeah I resolve it by not by not by you know creating structures and creating uh, strong uh, ideologies or strong opinions we just have to accept it and it happens the earthquake is going to come it's going to come you can you can manage it but you cannot eradicate it yeah yeah i think that's what acceptance really is is what's so powerful in buddhism is the idea of acceptance and it's take it's stripping down the layers of your ego and the way you see yeah. the world and the way you yes. this is who i am and this is what that thing means about me. You stop controlling. And so yeah, you when you strip down your ego and you accept life as it is and you accept the other person for how they are, then you really don't feel threatened. You become to be secure. Yeah. You know, yes. the the attachment that you feel to outcomes and to people and to things the way that you want to be and the way you want to be in their mind. You want to exist as a certain way in in other people's minds. and as yes, you, you leave consequences and you you sort of focus on opportunity on what what's the word you said opportunity what's that uh, opportunity uh, uh, uh you know uh, how do you say it i might not be pronouncing it the right way uh, uh how do you spell it a o p o r opportunity opportunity yes i might be pronouncing it uh the wrong way opportunity uh-huh so okay go so, continue so so we do not hook ourselves with uh, consequences so we try to you know uh, go for opportunities yeah so it's kind of so, like the action and the the input versus the output yeah so moving on what is your opinion on suicide suicide yes um well i mean 
suicide, I guess, happens when you feel like the world would be a better place without you in it, or when the pain of living becomes too unbearable, or when you have a romantic idea about how you're going to make people sad about how you're gone and they should have loved you. And you don't feel like your life has that much potential anyway. So the uh, romantic idea of the world without you becomes more attractive to you than the world with you. And it's, again, it's very egoistic because it's like, I'm going to create something about my legacy. I'm going to make others feel a certain way about me. And I'm going to, but I, you know, but again, I don't know. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Like someone who committed suicide or who's about to be like, no, man, that's not what it's about at all. Here's what it's about. So I don't know. That's just what Mm -hmm. I think. So imagine, imagine a person in jail and, you know, when we do this thing, these things in uh, philosophy, we take extreme examples. So when, a person is in jail and he's like he's being harassed or tortured or something so you know uh, a person feels bad and he 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 knows that he's not going to get out if the if the punishment is like an unlimited sort of punishment so w- what should a person do live on or kill kill himself maybe they should do whatever they decide but the for me in my biased approach to it because it's very biased it's a you know we've been steeped in the belief that suicide is the ultimate wrongdoing in a way it's even worse than murder because like murder could be justified but suicide is like so sad because we we know we just know that if that person had a different perspective of themselves and that things can change and things can always get better. And if they were just a little stronger, if they just had someone there to support them a little bit, they would have. To add to that, there was this movie in Iran and uh, it was a fantastic movie. So a person in that, the plot was like, the story was like a person is, you know, uh, uh, is very depressed and he wants to commit suicide. And he meets this (laughs) college professor that tells him that, that why are you killing yourself? Uh, so he said that in in the uh, young age, I I was I also got depressed and you know. Uh, so he asked him that you know what saved me. So he said, taste of the fruit cherry saved me. So have you eaten cherry? Yeah. So you know he said that you can live for this the taste of this fruit. Why why kill yourself when you have such such a good ex- experience that you can repeat? And some people like coffee uh, so much. Kierkegaard uh, liked coffee so much. And uh, so when you have a so sort of powerful, tea, bro. Tea, so tea, powerful tea, what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> tea and coffee and fruit. Uh, you have these unlimited things. You can look at the stars and you, you can look at the sunset. You can look at the trees. Uh, and most importantly, you know, uh, the senses our senses like the taste sense and you know we can we can uh, make ourselves happy by doing aesthetic things like tasting and uh, watching watching beautiful things and you know uh, uh, watching beautiful women <clears throat> women i would say so albert camus said that women is all we know about the paradise on earth mm. so so leaving that and you know uh, uh, killing yourself cannot be right. And also that French philosopher, Amal Suran, uh, he also said that if death, if life is absurd, 
if your life is absurd that situation that difficult situation you won't be able to solve it by uh, committing suicide and nothing would be uh, resolved it would be like if your life is absurd your death will will also be absurd and there was this one more point hmm. that okay the the pain that you are actually getting in your life when you will commit suicide that pain moment you have already taken that pain so what is the point in committing suicide that pain moment has gone past hmm. you are committing suicide on the next next day or the next moment the, the pain moment has already gone away you have already tolerated it mm it's it's not going to resolve anything there are two strong reasons first this thing the time at you at which you are committing suicide the pain part has already gone away and second point if life is absurd if difficult life is absurd the death is not resolving anything that situation that circumstances they won't get resolved the problem with would stay there on earth and it will it would be just that that you won't be you won't be there but that that problem would be there someone some philosopher or somebody someone has to resolve that problem so committing suicide killing yourself will not you know resolve the problem mm but shobhanor he has some other opinion he says that if i cannot i don't have the right to my body to end my life to end my body i mean what kind of what kind of life is this i have the right to do anything with my body if i think individually so what how, how does he arrive <laughs> at that how does he arrive at that because i don't understand that so he says i can do whatever i want with my body i want to kill myself i will oh i thought you, you stop me i thought you said he saying you don't have the right you have the right oh yeah well of course you, you have, have the right i mean that's self evident if you can physically kill yourself then yes so he said i should have the freedom yeah you should have the freedom yes i don't know i don't see the other side i there's always another side i don't see the other side to that one it's kind right. of like okay well how could the other side be true well if it's like your life isn't purely your own you're being totally selfish like think of the impact you're going to have on your mom and your dad and your kids and your spouse and your friends on the people you have not met yet that you have no idea what you will mean to them you true, are true. i mean that's what a thought it's kind of it's kind of true i mean as we progress through life that we are constantly the worst version of ourselves that we will ever be and True. we are the best version of ourselves that we've ever been now that's under the assumption that we're constantly improving as we get wiser in life and there are periods of our lives where we have a huge setback and trauma makes us devolve as i kind of mentioned in our last talk like we can devolve right. for periods of our life too but generally the trend is upwards we get wiser as we get older and we are more adaptable and we're you know it's it's True. we're constantly going to improve and True. so it's like you're killing yourself at the moment you are the best you've ever been why do you not want to see how the story ends how are you ever going to kill that curiosity about your how does the story end True. True. so what is your opinion on the education system of the world uh, for example your country My country's the, education system is 
purposely at this point, I believe intentionally designed to dumb us down and to (laughs) make us really see the world in a very materialistic. um, What, what, what specific things do you criticize? um, The problems that you faced probably. Well, uh, what problems did I face? I mean, the things I've become aware, how would I say like this, the things I've become aware of on my own through independent study and, you know, watching YouTubes and reading different things and traveling and whatnot is like, these are the things I was like, and so especially financial, um, you know, budgeting and investing and principles of becoming wealthy. So you're saying they don't teach this? Well, they they do not. They do not teach that. True. They teach you, they teach you how to become a cog in a wheel. And even that, (laughs) even that they don't really teach you that well. It's like, it's so outmoded. I mean, that's their goal. They want to teach you how to be a cog in the wheel, but like, that's not even working that well because technology and businesses have evolved rapidly and education hasn't. And so now we get out of college and we can't even really be a very good cog. We're just floundering around. How how much US, US universities charge people? They charge like extra, enormous amount, enormous amount. Yeah, it's worth paying, but it's not worth it for your time. Like the time loss and the, and the person you become is the biggest cost, not the money. I mean, you become, I guess university is the best part of the education you ever get as an institutional. And I think high school and middle school and grade school are all much worse. And finally you get to university and you're exposed to some liberal ideas and diversity of different people and you know you're studying shopping hall and philosophy and things they don't offer in high school at least not in my high school you know so i think there's a lot of value there but like the worldview um i think this is where it really comes in is my main criticism is the worldview is purposely meant to uh keep you uh asleep you know it's not about waking you up at all it's not about teaching you how powerful you truly are. It's not about telling you that the things that you could do to heal yourself and to heal other people and to, True. you know, it's not about being creative. It's, it's some somewhat, you know, hey, write this paper or draw this like, yeah, okay, I got to be creative. But a lot of it is really limiting and it's the premises are so limiting that you don't even wake up unless you go out and search and talk to the right people who are persuasive in the right ways and credibility they have enough credibility to sway you and it's bombardment from many different places and mosaic theory that hits you all like from different places that finally convinces you that wow actually i was living in a fishbowl and the mainstream media is a fishbowl um so i do i can go in on and on about the mainstream media and the fishbowl um i actually had like a little series on my instagram about open your eyes is the name of it and it's all about how archival research that i did actually reading you know what newspaper articles said in the 1800s and different science uh research journals things that were published but are not promoted they're just not marketed you don't know about them but if you go look them up boom they're right there and you know people disappearing scientists disappeared tesla stuff you know i mean just tons of facts facts that they mainstream media doesn't dispute and you look it up, it's like, oh, yeah, that happened. But it's only until you piece it all together 
that you go, wow, this implies something so massive about reality and about our history, about how we got here and, and the people that are in power and what is what are we in the grand scheme of the universe and how we've been so limited by power above us and our past of, you know, it's, it's so massive of an idea that you, it's so hard to believe in, even though, you know, that's true. I, I, I'm almost to the point where I know that's true, but it's still like in my day to day, I forget about it. And I'm like, I'm kind of still under this, like acting in a way that it isn't true. You know, I'm still right. in the main line of, okay, I'm going to, do these things like this is real and this is get this is going to be I, I mean i'm talking too much i'm gonna stop right here <laughs> no, no no so i have this question uh in my mind uh, from like right from the start i forgot so what is your opinion on this person mike tyson mm, very different um divergent views i hold them both in mind and i'm i'm at a point right now where i don't know what to make of him I'm like, in, on the one hand, like, wow, he's very wise. And he's said things that are very impactful to me in the clips that I've seen. And I'm like, I didn't know that side of him. On the other side, I feel like, well, an another aspect of him is like, he's this brutal animal that, you know, you, yeah. you, you got so in a ring a and bit someone's side. ear off. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the third part is like <laughs> his voice and the way he sounds. And it's like, how can that voice be inside that body? And what does that imply about him as a being? <laughs> is he a dual being? Is he, is he part female and part male? Is he like, I think kind of, well, the, the, um, um, aesthetic, uh, not aesthetic. What am I thinking of the word? Um, well, the ancient theory of India that you're familiar with, you know, is that we're all male and female that we have both. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I, I think that I kind of believe in that, but like, he is yes. a very um, interesting um, example of, you know, my questions about that, like with him, it's like. So you think he... he's, he's got feminine side also and masculine side also. He's got greater feminine side. Are you saying that? No, I'm not, I'm not measuring them. I'm just saying that his feminine okay. side seems very apparent by his voice. And I'm just kind of confused by how okay, his okay. voice sounds that way. But yet, is it because he's like, well, I, I am physically a man, so I'm going to become the strongest, best version of a man. Is that what drove him? Sort of like um, Bruce. Uh, so he was called the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, I mean, he could be even considered insane for doing what he did. <laughs> I don't think he's insane. So, I think he's just, uh, maybe that was just a moment of like self-affirmations. Because so, I saw a video of him where he was like, I am the baddest this and that. You made me <laughs> Maybe you posted yeah. it. And I was like, oh, maybe this is just affirmations where he got in the ring and he just he just had adrenaline just take over and he wasn't, you know, he just became an animal. You he know said, what I mean? I'm gonna eat your children. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Yeah, that's you. the I'm clip. Gonna... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does that. So what is your opinion on evil? Uh have you watched the movie Fight Club? Yeah, I love the movie Fight Club. It's one of the most influential movies in my life. So you know, what, I don't what know if you knew this, but I was your... a boxer. I boxed in college. Oh, great. I was also a martial artist. I did Taekwondo. Okay. Taekwondo is legit. So what is your opinion on evil? Should we evil? do evil? Yes. Should we do evil? No. We no should we not. Sh so, so what happened in Fight Club? What did happen in Fight Club? They uh, formed a fight club and they started hitting each other. And they liked it. And they sort of started bombing places for fun. <laughs> Not for fun. No, not for fun. 
yes, they uh, they laughed. They laughed a lot. They after, did, but that wasn't the purpose. It was called Project Mayhem. Yeah. Which which means that you have to cause destruction in this world. Yeah. So what, but, what, but that was what the was purpose wasn't about? for fun. I mean, the purpose wasn't for fun, but it was it was to cause destruction and mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. Why why did they do that? Why did they do what that? Was, because they want to change things. So you go ahead and blast things when you want to change things. You you go ahead start you know destroying things when you when you want to change things is that the way mm, i think it's a strategy yeah you can go about it that way is it evil to go about destruction no i think there's qualifiers that need to be attained like well let's ask a few more questions about it and then maybe it's evil and maybe it's not evil it depends so so do you remember that scene when he says that i go to groups and mm -hmm. uh, he 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 went to cancer groups and you know sort of uh, defeated kind of people came there and you know he he couldn't feel good the moment he met tyler durden his yeah. life changed and they started hitting each other and they loved it so do you think doing some amount of evil brings happiness to us destroying things we like destroying things do, do Just you be very do you careful feel about your word like you brings happiness i mean happiness no yeah, happiness in a weird way i think it's if it brings something like that, it's more like a. So, uh, for example, in boxing, we like hitting. We like hitting till the other person, you know, says, "I give up." So yeah. What is that? Isn't that evil? No, it's not evil. Um, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't call it evil. Um, we should really get detailed about what exactly it is before I call it evil or not. But the way I'm like thinking about it, no, like I hit someone in a boxing ring. That's not evil because we both have an agreement we step in that ring that that's the purpose of what we're going to do. We're going to hit each other. So it's not evil to carry that out. It's not evil to make that contract with the other person either. So uh, you think, uh, do you think that human does not like doing evil? Uh, he, he kind of gets, uh, so there is a word malevolence. What malevolence. Yeah. Malevolence. Malevolence. So, uh, uh, so, when we practice malevolence, so we feel quite, quite happy. We get sort of a weird joy. What, what is your opinion on malevolence? It's the same thing as evil to me. I don't know the distinguish, how they distinguish from each other in, yes, in your yes. mind. Yes, it is evil. It is evil. Yeah. So we like, we like practicing that. I, we I, as humans. I don't think so. Um, I mean, you don't really know what people like and it's independent, right? Like you could ask someone, do you like it? And they like, yeah, I like it. Then, okay. Then do you actually see if it, see it as malevolent? And if the answer is still yes, then okay. That person does. But how many of us would say yes and yes to those two questions? I would think most of us would say no to one of those questions. So this, this is what uh, Carl Jung, the Swiss philosopher, he called it shadow, the dark part. He said, if the dark part does not come outside, you the you cannot perform productively. He said this thing. Yeah, but unless, that doesn't. Unless I feel like you're jumping. Is, I think you're jumping there. Like you're going from like yeah, the dark part of you to come out versus like we enjoy malevolence. I feel like those are maybe two different things. They could be the same thing, but it doesn't have to we, be the we, same. We actually like we like malevolence. We we love it. I mean, uh, I mean, the people I know, we sort of get this weird pleasure 
I don't. I've never, I've never felt any degree of that. There's no, there's no feeling that's ever gone through my body like that. So there is a word called Schadenfreude. Yeah, Schadenfreude. Yeah, no, I've never been anything like that personally. A pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Yeah, misfortune's not evil. Like it's just something like, okay, someone slipped on the stairs and then you laugh at them, and that's Schadenfreude too. That's not evil. I mean. So maybe, maybe a higher degree of Schadenfreude. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I think it's related. It's a degree. Yeah, it's similar. Um, but okay. you're not. I mean, so you don't you don't believe that you know we should do evil? No, I mean, no, we should not do evil. That's just basic morality. Like by definition, evil is bad, and we but shouldn't. That's do an that. interesting word, morality. Let's let's talk about how how much more time do we have? Well, I am supposed to jump on this call in four minutes. Um, so, so morality is a very interesting topic. We will talk about it uh, in the next episode. Yeah, man. This is really, we're getting some really good stuff. I'm actually really enjoying where we're at. So we should replay like the last couple of minutes and then continue like we never left off. Okay. Perfect. So uh, this is it? Yeah, might as well then. I guess we kind of stopped our flow right here. We might as well. Yeah. Okay. Nice, man. This has been really fun. Like, I wish we had our videos, but oh well. It's kind of nice to be just audio yeah. too, for sure. Yeah. So idea, uh, audio, I think it's quite, quite, there is a lot of freedom. I don't have to look at my laptop. I can, you know, move also and I can, I can talk. It, there is a lot, lot of freedom in audio. There is. I think there's a lot of value lost for a lot of the audience though, and they can't see us. Uh, yes, but the content is getting out there. Content's definitely good. I think it would be good either way, and we can do mix it up also. Yes, yes. Perfect. So should we stop recording? Yeah. All right. I'll go ahead and stop, and we'll see you. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Bye bye.